Hello friends and welcome to episode one of Mother Maker, an auditory tune-in for the creative mother. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kat and I've made this podcast for those raising children and raising big visions, for those birthing babies and birthing businesses, those dancing between the mother mystic and the mother maker, moving with the surges of creative living, the poetry of their own lives. Mother Maker is for the artists, the poets, the writers, the movers and shakers, for the influencers and speakers and coaches, the energy workers, community creators and homemakers, for the designers and photographers, for the entrepreneurs and for the business owners, for those who create and make intuitively, not as something that they do, but because it's who they are alongside motherhood. In this episode, I chat to a beautiful friend of mine, Brittany Eastman, and I am in awe of this woman for so many reasons, though one being the integrity that she has when it comes to intuitive business. She's a mama of three little girls, and her role right now is to create rich spaces and communities where mysticism business and self-inquiry collide and thrive and the second I read that I was like oh my gosh this woman needs to be on the podcast because that's exactly what this is all about so I really appreciate the refreshing energy listening to Brit speak and in this episode we discuss a whole range of things um, from creating sovereign relationships with our creativity with our children with our social media and with our life She delves into true connected leadership and what that means to truly lead. We speak um, on her creative process as a guide who moves people through the quantum and she decodes the mystical aspects of business in a way that gives me goosebumps. We speak about old school ways of marketing and sales and how you can be a whole lot more heart-centered around your offerings, including understanding the spell that words cast and the importance of creating from your own center rather than a mashup of external influences. We chat about social media, comparison, patterns of the past, connecting with your genius, the importance of embodiment work when it comes to business and how to stand in the identity of who you are right here, right now, instead of where you've been. I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you guys as I feel like it's going to be really perspective shifting for many of you, as it was for me as well. So please, if you're listening, leave a feed, leave a feedback, leave feedback and let me know how you feel after listening. And yeah, I think we should just get straight into it. So here we go. Okay, awesome. I'm very excited to speak to you today, everyone. I've got Britt Eastman on. Do you prefer Brittany or Britt? Oh, Britt. Yeah, Britt is in trouble. Great. Okay, awesome. So we've got Britt Eastman on and I'm very excited to have a chat with her today. Um, Basically, Britt and I are just kind of meeting in our life as well. Like we're both in Western (laughs) Australia together and then we both traveled across the country uh, to bail on Western Australia within the same week. (laughs) 
and I was very invested yeah. in this journey. And <laughs> I think you just circled into my field. I think it was like last year. Um, I think people were just sharing your posts because they were mm. amazing and great. And they went against the grain, which I really liked as well. You know, it wasn't just your mm. standard um, lingo and perspective on the business world and being creative. It was such a mm. mashup of your own unique flavor as well. And I think Thank it you. caught my attention. Um, mm. so that's <laughs> how you circled in. And then following along, see that you're moving across country. I'm moving across country. I energetically bond with you in that moment. <laughs> like you still barely knew who I was, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> the feeling was mutual. I was also very invested in your journey. <laughs> and then we got to meet finally at a beautiful little cafe in Corumban Valley. Um, and that was like a week and a half, two weeks ago, I think, roughly. Yeah. So this is the first time we're actually getting a baby-free chat. Yes. And this is phenomenal. It it's is phenomenal. It's like, it's probably going to, I'm going to learn more about you now in probably the next five coffee dates when we have children running around our feet. So I'm 100%. very excited. Um, so basically, I would love to, maybe we'll start with you just sharing a little bit about yourself and your journey, because I'm still learning about you. And I think, yeah it would be great for me, to be honest. Like that's basically this whole podcast <laughs> Who is for me. Who are you? <laughs> um, but one thing I did really love, I'm literally about to read straight off your website because I did spend about 45 minutes on it, minutes <laughs> on your website. The other day I was just stalking. I'm like, why have I not been on a website before? Oh so gosh. basically this is, I really liked this bit and I just want to share it um, because I'd like for you to just continue on from this bit, if that's cool. Great. So you said, I make babies and homes, love and art, programs and worlds, waves and magic, quick decisions and sacred communities. I make vortexes for women with businesses born from devotion, heart and truth, not because we can solve a problem, fill a gap in the market, or because we exploit our understanding of biopsychology, but because it brings us alive. Within my world, we leave behind the idea of doing more as the only portal to having and being more. We alter reality through magnetism, ceremony, liberation, casting spells with our words, living in our true archetypes, connecting to the frequency of prosperity, making sustainability an art form, using quantum strategy, making magical maps of our business ecology and focusing on who we need to be, so who we need to become instead of solely what we need to do. I invent and design experiences so we can meet at the intersection of mysticism and pragmatism, success and ease, commerce and magnetism, momentum and intention, effort and grace, service and nourishment. And I read that and I was like, holy shitballs, basically. <laughs> this woman is like, because this is literally why I'm making Mother Maker, literally, is for for. Yeah the archetype that you embody and so that's why I was really excited to have you on uh first <laughs> because I'm like oh, oh who, who else? no pressure <laughs> no pressure <laughs> but who, who else would you know so I would love you to just I feel like that kind of gave people a little bit of an idea um maybe from your your external output into the world mm. but I would love to know a bit more about like how did you even get to this point and what's your philosophy on like um being creative and mothering and work and all of this kind of mashup of who you are 
Oh, well, thank you for reading that to me. You know, when you, when you write things in the past and then you hear them again, but it's been probably like over a year since I, I wrote that. And I'm like, wow, did I say that? <laughs> I'm really smart. Me <laughs> so smart. Yeah. So I, um, that is a really good insight into like the work that I do, but I guess how I've got here, it's, want to describe this it feels really simplistic to say this but like the next gut felt yes has just been always the path like if you had have looked at my life five years ago there's no way there's no way this would have been what I was doing um I essentially went from being like footloose fancy free in perf single just doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted to, um, you know, 25 and single and having a good time to meeting a man six weeks later, falling pregnant with twins and my whole world flipping upside down. And I think, you know, that was that divine interference in the best way possible that opened up a world where I stopped just living for like what feels good in this moment to being like how do I curate a life that feels good in every moment conceivable Mm. and I started thinking about well what do I want this to look like with children can can I live this lifestyle with them and it was just no like I can't do what I'm doing with a family I can't do what I'm doing I don't want to do what I'm doing with a family Um, so I guess it started me on the path of creativity like I I started in network marketing um as so many of us do Mm, it seems like network marketing seems like such a portal into this world you know there's many paths that lead to Rome but like that's definitely a common thread I see with a lot of creators it is a common thread and I think the reason is because it's like that really beautiful um entryway into something that doesn't require a lot of overheads it's essentially risk-free um And you get to be creative in the process. So I think it it is a really easy foot in the door of entrepreneurship. And so I started with that. Mm. Um, I had, you know, a really, really up and down experience with that for two and a half years um, while I was raising babies and doing the things. And there was this real thread that kept weaving through what I was doing, which is that I kept being like, okay, so this is my business, but like what would enrich that business? And I'm going to create something for that. And so I remember my first program that I ever created was called Genesis. And it was about like the inception of creativity and how we work with creativity, how we invite creativity in, how creativity works through our bodies, just literally from my own experience and observation. And I did that alongside my network marketing business so that the people that I was mentoring could have more access to their own creativity. Mm. And I did that and I had like, I can't even remember how many people I had do that, maybe like just over 10. And I just came alive. I just came alive. I felt myself being in like the seat of what felt like the truth where I was in this role of kind of like assessment and then alchemizing that into something And then like really strategically piecing it together so that it was digestible and it was just playing to my wheelhouse. And I felt when I was sitting in in the role of like teacher or leader, I just felt myself coming alive. Mm. 
And so it's it interesting. Wasn't long. Sorry, just mm. sorry to interrupt you, but I love how you share that because so many people assume that creativity is just when you're painting or when you're making something physical, right? But it's like, especially in the world of entrepreneurship, when you're coaching yeah. or when you're creating yeah. an event or a program, there it's such an intricate weaving of experiences and yeah. information and knowledge. And that's why a program is art. Like sure, it might be knowledge or it might be educational or a training or whatever, a mentorship. But it, like to me, it's art. And I just love how you just yeah. kind of, mentioned that then because I think it's an important thing is like yeah if you're a coach or if you're Mm. you know you're an artist as well like it's not just entrepreneurship or artists you know it it, it's such an interwoven experience so thanks for mentioning that but as you were (laughs) yeah it's like that juxtaposition between like you know the the left way of the scientist and the right way of the artist like there's this beautiful weaving Mm. between of those worlds it's and and for me, like artistry is, is language. You know, that is always a portal for creativity and artistry for me. It's always through language. It's through the way that I'm speaking. It's through the words that I'm writing. It's, mm. it's through my expression of like the, the time where I feel my, myself come alive the most in terms of creativity is through a launch. And I know that, that they're not usually associated, but I feel very creative when I'm like mm. tuning into my community and feeling into what needs to be spoken and said and, that just feels like such such an artistic expression for me um but yeah after doing that program and feeling myself come alive through yeah the way that it was pieced together and loving that I could see the way that this incrementally gradually building experience was being like metabolized and digested by the people in my world and I was like wow this is actually like really shifting and moving people wow like I have the capacity to do that it was just a it was a big eye-opener I guess to have that experience and so very very soon after that I thought the thing that I actually love about network marketing is all the things I'm doing out of network marketing (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's giving me a platform to create for a reason and so I thought I could do that without network marketing because I don't actually love that piece so I kind of set the the network marketing to the side and then just went about creating then I started really creating and I found human design and I started kind of sharing about human design. I started attracting a lot of business women in through human design and I was making a lot of observations. I was really like assessing what I was seeing as common themes and threads. And it actually, the thing that kind of struck me the most was that it didn't really matter whether you'd come from lack or abundance or business or uni or it, it just it didn't matter in the background the, the I guess the common challenges were the same mm. they were this the same for everyone and I thought how did we learn this like how did this happen so it went from yeah these creative programs into human design into like seeing business through the lens of human design into mm. energetics and the quantum and cosmic and so it was always just one foot after the other and obviously my children inspire me infinitely to do that because through this work I've created this lifestyle where like they're out there eating in a sai bowl right now and (laughs) like Rory's home with me and he Mm -hmm. has the kids when I need to work and yeah it's just this really beautiful combination of wanting this beautiful harmony 
through all aspects of life. Not like I'm a creator here and I'm a mother here. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm a mother. Yeah, maker so how how do time. you go about merging the two? Because I feel like that's a really common um, struggle that a lot of mamas have. It's like, well, I feel like, you know, I go into this mum mode where I'm like, you know, raising my children and then I go into this creative mode and it feels like whiplash having to come back and forward between the two. Um, and I mean, like that's something I struggle with some days and I feel like I'm nailing other days, right? Like, I don't know if it's ever going to be a complete balance all the time anyway, but, um, I'm really interested to hear from mamas doing it. Like, yeah. how does that look for you? Well, I mean, harmony is different every day, mm. you know, harmony is not balance. Like it's, it's really different. And harmony is that some days 90% of parenting and 10% of working is the harmony. And sometimes it's the opposite. And I think the balance is, and this is really something I'm like right in as we speak. Like I'm not saying this like I'm through it, I'm in it, mm-hmm. which is that, yes, I can look to the needs of my children about what they need the most, but then do I take from myself to offer that at times? in a way that actually doesn't feed back into them. And so I'm really, really in the practice of like, but what do I need to mother well? Like that's really the conversation that I'm having a lot um, with Rory, but mostly with me. And it, it all comes down to this question of like, how inconvenient am I willing to be? And even when I feel like I've asked for too much, can I ask for something else because I need it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's this always for me. And so at the moment I can see, you know, maybe my kids really, really, really need me to be there. And I am just like lit with an idea and I really want to tend to that. It's a, I'm going to be with you and I need this for myself because this makes me really amazing money. And it makes me more available to you. Like it's, it's the conversations. It's, mm-hmm. it's choosing whose need is, needs to take priority in that moment. And, and like really, like really following through on that. Cause I know this conversation around mums is like, it's so big. Like it's so big, this conversation about like, can I really take from my children to serve myself? And I keep coming back to if my children were mothers, like if my children were mothers, would I want them never taking what they need? Mm. Because they've seen me do that. Mm-hmm. And it's literally rewriting the martyr. And that's where um, yeah. that self-inquiry comes in because it's not as simple mm. as, oh, I'm going to mother in this time block and business in this time <laughs> block. It's like, it's such an unpacking of so much of what we've learned yeah. to, I guess, like this spectrum of what, what makes a good mother. Right. And everyone's got their different idea on the spectrum, but Mm -hmm. you can't martyr in motherhood and thrive in motherhood simultaneously. So you have to choose one. And how do you choose to thrive? It's by deconstructing the martyr. And so like what you were just saying, then it's like having to be a bit inconvenient, like asking for what you need, Mm. even when it's uncomfortable, even when, you know, your partner or your nanny or whoever's already had the kids for three hours and you actually need another hour. Like, yeah. And that's where I think that's why 
intuitive mm-hmm. business is such a transformative experience. It's literally like a freaking plant medicine journey, but your business, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really, I also like really agree with what you said about yeah. like, sorry, no, no finish that thought. Okay. I, will. <laughs> um, I was just saying, I, I <laughs> like what you were saying about how it comes a lot through those conversations with the kids as well. And obviously mm-hmm. two of your girls are a bit older, so they have that understanding, but yeah. like, this doesn't have to be a solo show within family either, right? Like it's mm-hmm. inviting the whole family into the experience of technically we're all creating this together, even though mum is yeah. creating it, you know, totally. anyway, as you were saying. Yeah, it's, I mean, you were saying before, you know, you can't, thr- you know, you can't martyr in motherhood and you also can't simultaneously thrive in motherhood. And it's the same in business. You can't martyr in motherhood and thrive in business like Mm. life is not compartmentalized like that it is it is a beautiful like fluid like collective experience it's not like oh I can thrive here and suck here and thrive here and suck here like it's not (laughs) it's not like that um and I don't believe that how you do one thing is how you do everything I think that parts of your life can be going really well and other parts can be Mm -hmm. sticky of course but when you're moving into your creativity and you're guilting yourself for doing it that's when you're in like this massive push pull experience with your creativity and you're not in sovereign relationship with your creativity and you're also not in sovereign relationship with your mothering either Mm. and so I do think like it's the energetic behind it rather than compartmentalizing it can I be inconvenient can I really request what I need and then also sometimes am I willing to just put down my creativity and say not now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a big one too that's probably the one I struggle with more I mean like I'm very available for Rafi a lot Mm -hmm. of the time and um but I I feel angry when yeah I have visions and creativity just sitting Mm -hmm. there like seducing me and I can't go Mm -hmm. like when I have and I don't feel resentful for Rafi but I feel angry about not being able to do my art you know yeah and um which is and that's where like the self-boundaries come in as well because that's yeah a tough one to navigate um I would love for you to delve into a little bit more about what you were just saying before it caught my attention of like the sovereign relationship with your creativity and sovereign relationship with your motherhood and what that I guess look yeah. like if you could elaborate a bit on that on yeah that, that would be awesome yeah so like most creatives there's almost like <laughs> it's almost like this ego aspect to it where we think that it makes us better creators to get like completely knocked over and permeated by our creativity. Like I'm just hyper creative when, oh my God, I'm so lit with this vision. And like, it kind of has become like trendy in creative circles to feel kind of like stoked with yourself (laughs) for the way that creativity comes and like penetrates. And that's not a sovereign relationship with creativity. That's a completely like, <laughs> my kid's just going crazy in the back. That's all good. This is a completely like codependent relationship, what I would call a booty call relation, relationship with creativity where it comes knocking, you go running. It's like <laughs> yes. I'm here and you're like, oh, like let me give myself over to you. It's this, 
And like, mm. I have felt this totally. so much. And there's almost like, oh, you know, I got woken up with a creative idea. You know, me a year ago would have been like, well, let me make myself available to it. Mm. Me this year is like, please, not now. It's three o'clock. <laughs> I'm asleep. Um, it's, and I think the more I've trained that relationship with creativity to be like, I hear you and I acknowledge you. And now is not the time. And I will let you know when the time is because I will sit and I will open to you. And like mm. developing a relationship like that where creativity doesn't come in and penetrate me anymore. It sits outside of my field and I relate to it. Like mm-hmm. I'm in more of a relationship with creativity rather than being in like, yeah, this booty call knocking me over and taking me over and like inciting a wildfire within me where I'm like, oh my God, I have to tend to it now. Um, Mm -hmm. this sovereign relationship with creativity, it feels like it's a little bit more distant and not in a way where it's not available, but in a way where like I will actually open myself to the relationship with it and be like, okay, now is the time because I'm child-free and I'm at my laptop or I'm in my journal Mm -hmm. and I have the space, like, please visit me. Like Like I request your presence now. And so that kind of sovereign relationship like really helps me navigate sovereignty and motherhood mm-hmm. because it means that when I do get knocked over by a creative idea, I can say, whoa, excuse me, <laughs> like not right now. Thank you. Like I'm actually available to my children now. And both of mm-hmm. you cannot be here because as soon as you're here, you take me out of presence here. Mm-hmm. And so I think developing that really, you know, a, a lot of the, the reason that we have those codependent relationships with creativity is usually because we are fearful that it won't return because we don't trust creativity. Mm. We don't trust ourselves in creativity. And so we, we go into a state of self-preservation and we, we like attack it mm-hmm. <laughs> and we like attach ourselves to the identity of needing to tend to it because we're just so, you know, hashtag lit. Like that's mm-hmm. how people kind of relate to it. And it's like, actually, when you start trusting that, yeah, you'll be there. And if you're not there, it's all good. You're, you're, you're a fleeting fling, you know, um, mm-hmm. it allows you to be more available totally. to you, to your children. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you're speaking, it's like what I'm feeling as well from what you're saying is it's like, it's a long game, you know, yeah. like why is creativity a, a, a daily production when it it's like part of creativity is these ebbs and flows and this stagnancy and vibrancy and the boundaries and the nothingness and the everythingness like you know that's the whole journey of art and so this idea that we have to be like you you were saying on or lit with our inspiration (laughs) otherwise we're not a creative woman or mother or entrepreneur if we don't like Mm -hmm. are you still an entrepreneur if you don't currently have a business that's thriving or a business at all. Like, what if you're still waiting for your business idea to drop in? Like, of course you are. Yeah. But the when you yeah. zoom out, well, and you it's look an archetype, it isn't it? Totally. Yeah, exactly. And if you zoom out and look at it over a 10-year period, it's going to be many highs and lows and all the things. But if you zoom out and look at, sorry, zoom in and look at it over a day, all of a sudden you did nothing all day. Or, you know, your, create, your creative urges got pushed back all week. And then all of a sudden it's so easy to, you know, oh, shit, what am I doing? Like, I haven't done enough, et cetera. But when it's like that mm. process of zooming back out and knowing that there's going to be like a time for it all overall. Oh, 
there yeah. are so many times where I'm blank. Mm. Like I'm just completely blank. Nothing's happening. And I've just built such a deep trust in that that timing is correct. Yes. And, you know, it, it is what it's meant to be. And, and often it's because I need to tend to other things or because right now is like a, a replenishment time for me. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you don't get out of it without feeling tendrils of frustration, but also deep trust. But deep trust only happens when you build that sovereign relationship with creativity where you can be like, I, I will trust you as much as you trust me. Like I trust you to return and then you will trust me to fulfill the idea, the mm-hmm. creation itself. And then that trust builds because you're taking action on that and you see that it's actually working. Whenever you say, no, not right now, most of the time it does come back. And then that's where the trust will build as a relationship. And it's like, oh, I can do this. I can, I can say not yet. I can say, come back tomorrow. Like, you know, and um, I would love to kind of hear then a, a bit more about like, what are some of the, I guess like, I don't, I don't even know if belief systems is the right word because I feel like that's kind of buzzing around all the time at the moment. And mm-hmm. I don't know what other word to use though, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like what are some of the belief systems that you have moved through to get from a space of where you were when it comes to business? And, you know, even like part of your journey of moving away from network marketing, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel like there's this element of being in network marketing is a great way in. But you can also get mm-hmm. stuck there when you're a really creative person. You've got a lot of things to offer the world and you can get stuck behind another company's product, et cetera, right? Yes. Um, so like, how did you move out of that? What were the, what were your processes that you had to kind of get to from A to B? And not, not to say that you're done either, right? Like I think it's an ever, <laughs> ever ongoing thing, but. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. God, I feel like I go through one every day. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the belief systems. Okay, so the thing that's coming through, and I, I don't know if this is even like actually applicable to this specific question, <laughs> but like I, I see this with almost every creative person, every digital entrepreneur, every businesswoman is this trajectory of like recognizing they're actually subscribing to the way it's done. Like this is the biggest thing I think really happens. And this is actually where I like kind of cut my teeth in, in business was around like throwing out the rule, rule book and knowing mm. to kind of piece together our own, using our own energy. And this is why this was the biggest thing for me when I left network marketing was actually recognizing just how many like rules I was subscribing to. And they can be things like consistency Mm. like that was huge yeah um, oh same I remember <laughs> oh my god and like, I'm just not that you know I'm just not I'm, I'm consistently just not a consistent me, but like, person yeah totally just like regularly showing up on like a schedule it just feels like the most horrid thing to me mm-hmm. um so like consistency would be one of them um, like posting in a particular way at a particular time, um, you know, launching looks like this. Mm. This is how many times you do this or ways you do this, or, you know, you have to have your cart open for this amount of time. Like all of these rules that we pick up usually subliminally because we've just been observing, but just recognizing how much of that I was like, wow, I've actually got like a carbon copy of 700 other businesses that I've seen 
and I've taken bits from everyone I've liked. And now I've just made this like offering based on that. And none of this has actually come from within me. Mm. And none of this has actually come from like a real discernment of like, what actually do I want to do? And then how do I make that a thing? Mm-hmm. Like instead of leading with my own desire first, I was leading with like, here's the thing that I've got. And then how's the best way to, to offer it? So mm-hmm. that was like a I major love, belief. Love that. Yeah. Like that was probably a major belief system around like the rule book. There's that. And then I think when you unsubscribe from that, I mean, there's many, many, many layers to that. And then the next thing is usually around like it. <laughs> then you become a bit righteous I feel (laughs) like there's this real righteousness of like I'm I'm a conscious creator and like Mm -hmm. that's better than the non-conscious creators and so there's often like this bigness that comes with that that's like kind of like pointing the finger at all of that which is not in coherence with what you believe to be the truth there's a lot of finger pointing. Mm-hmm. I was good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also very attractive and very alluring for other people because it's perspective shifting. And so it's easy to get acclaim through that. There's a lot of recognition that comes with that of like, whoa, like this is so amazing. Like everyone look at this. Like there's a very big energy that comes with that. So that, that then led into this kind of belief system of, really rewriting what I perceive to be leadership. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so, so excited to get into this. Yes. <laughs> this is like, obviously many of my questions, but like, yes, to leadership, like, and re- yeah. Okay. Go just, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of like, yeah, the, the leadership aspect of recognizing that Leadership is, has nothing to do with bigness or hype or how much money you make or how many people are in your community. Like they're like, they're all just metrics to observe. Mm-hmm. They're neutral. Mm-hmm. But we make them mean that like it, it qualifies us to be a leader. And I think there's a really big difference in that. And people are like, oh, look at you leading, look at you leading. And so then you associate typically leadership with bigness, leadership with income, leadership mm-hmm. with this. And it makes people think, oh, well, because you're earning X amount, you're now qualified to do this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you a good leader. Mm-hmm. It makes you a good earner. And they're different energies completely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like it's just, this was one of the biggest things that I've probably unraveled this year is just leadership has been mistakenly marketed as bigness, boldness, income, follow account. Mm-hmm. And the truth of leadership is that it's typically what happens in the privacy of like your own heart, in your own home, in your relationships. It's synonymous with responsibility mm-hmm. and integrity. Uh, and integrity, like taking full responsibility for how we engage with life. And the reason that I was getting into the bigness thing and the leadership thing was because. A real example that I have participated in and I see a lot of is like staking a claim on clients' wins and using them as testimony. And this is not a, this is not like a a diss at testimony because it's absolutely a beautiful integral time and place for that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but more like, look at what I could do for this client. Like mm-hmm. I did this mm-hmm. for a client's win. And we're like taking a piece of their greatness for ourselves versus like offering reverence and like bowing down at our clients and understanding that we're actually in an in a genius exchange mm-hmm. versus like a submissive dominant look at what I've created for you relationship mm-hmm. and a lot and of it, these it doesn't mean like anyone's doing that necessarily like maliciously right because no. I'm even thinking about um the amount of times I've shared a testimony because I've mm-hmm. thought this is just what you do in business like you just yes. share it's like almost yes. social proof right like it's oh well look exactly. see what I do it works and so it's so good that you're saying this because knowing what I know now when I can when I read it and see it you can sense the energy behind it yeah you know you can sense if it's a celebrate celebration of the client or if it's a I'm posting a testimonial because it's what I do in business and exactly yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's the point I'm making around like the belief systems is that you don't even recognize all of the like very subtle ways that these like things you do in business just creep into the way that you create, like sharing Mm -hmm. a testimony, like no dramas, share a testimony. But like, how do I feel about that testimony? Why Mm -hmm. am I sharing this testimony? And I think when you bring that sense of presence into like all of those decisions, there's like a deep discernment that comes right alongside that. And so if I would share a testimony and it was a beautiful example of the experience that someone had had working with me so that other people can get an understanding of what it's like to be in, in a space with me. Great. Because it's providing context for my work. It's not taking away from a client win Mm -hmm. and saying I'm staking a claim on part of that. And so a lot of these things, you know, it's really just been like a reclamation of like all of the aspects of the integrity that I didn't know I'd offered up. To business rules and just bringing it back in again and again and again so yeah the deeper my work gets the more I recognize it's actually just as a result of like further disentangling from mm-hmm. all of those things yeah and then and so for you like maybe you could um share a bit more on like what are some of the things that you feel are like the old paradigm of business and sales and marketing and even creating you know your business, like yeah. I could sit down and write a fucking list or whatever, versus what you really see coming forward as not necessarily everyone's truth, but important for you regarding a new way or mm. a more connected way. It doesn't even need to be new, a more connected way, a more sovereign way of, of business. Yeah. Well, I think the first part of that is that really connecting into like what is the higher truth what is like the higher ideal or the purpose of business as an entity Mm. and like really connecting in with that because I think this is where this like new earth business is going is that people are not just doing businesses to make money to give them freedom so that they can live their life so that it's it's not it's not as plain and simple Mm -hmm. people are doing they're engaging in the field of business because they understand that there is a high, higher ideal behind it, meaning that business is actually here as an evolutionary field and entity to mm-hmm. engage with. Mm-hmm. It, like, it raises humanity. Like When you think about everything that you make and everything that I make, it, it enriches people's lives in a way mm. where they have greater accessibility and greater availability to more whatever the thing is, pleasure, 
or understanding or clarity or, you know, mysticism or, or whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. And so I think people are starting to understand that business actually needs to come with a richness, not only for me and my income, but actually for my community and for, for the way that like it ripples that compound effect of, of my business mm-hmm. existing. Like what is its reason for being? And so I think some of the, the ways that we're doing that is we're having a more delicious, stunning and like clean relationship with social media. I think, you know, social media as an entity within itself is, it, it's, it's pure connectivity. It's, it's resources, it's information, it's relationships, it's friendship, it's humour. You know, like the truth of social media is that it's like the human behaviour within it that we don't love all the time. Mm-hmm. And so to put the human behaviour aside and like to just connect with social media in that way and like and, and engage with social media in a way that serves its higher ideal, I and think like that's a shift before, that we're making. Like engaging with social media with your sovereign boundaries like you would yeah. with your children or with your creativity. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like an understanding just all the time, any, any time I'm thinking about relating to something, whether it's business or mothering or creativity or social media, I'm, I'm really trying to develop a relationship with the truth of it. Like we cannot value that, which we do not have a relationship with. It's like, I can't value social media. I can't value creativity. I can't value business unless I have a deep and reverent relationship with that Mm. and so it's not just like getting on social media being like oh shit I better post today like it's not it's not a transactional entity it's an entity that has landed in this point in time for this generation of people to like really serve a higher purpose and Mm. I think that's the way business is going is that we're starting to have a deeper relationship with these things so that we can value them more deeply Um, Mm -hmm. yeah like the way that we deal with social media um, the way that we're shifting from this old method of marketing which is kind of like what you said in the opening bit that you read out which is like exploiting bias psychology which is doing things like holding secrets back and being like you can only get them if you do this this and this Mm. click on this and then follow this link and then do this thing so you can access this secret so that I can get it like it's we're coming into like a place of transparency mm-hmm. and and we're also coming into a place of of choice over coercion when it comes to our marketing like here it is here's the creation here i am mm-hmm. engage or don't engage but i'm not going to lure you in i'm not going to like pull you in with this manipulative language mm-hmm. i'm, I'm going to manipulate for good i'm going to make you see what's available and the higher purpose of these things. And, and it's going to manipulate you up. <laughs> totally. And like, I mean, I've, I've been guilty for that as well. Right. Like, I think that's part, part for a lot of people, that's part of their journey into business is like yeah. going through these old strategies and then mm-hmm. realizing, Hey, that doesn't feel good in my body. I don't want to do that anymore. And I really yeah. love that. I got to witness this version, this very much, this choice, this like, Hey, this is what I have to offer offer take what you will from your last launch of ingenuity because I really noticed that there was it never felt like a push from you there was no not even a tiny essence of sleazy salesy 
ness, right? Because I'm I'm an advocate for sales. I think sales are amazing when yeah. done with integrity, right? And that's exactly what I saw you do. Um, and I would love for you to share even a little bit about the, like, you know, um, when we caught up the other day and mm. you were just sharing about how, you know, you, you were right in the middle of moving and everything. So your energy was dispersed for starters. Mm-hmm. You were in the middle of a launch and then like, you know, people were slowly signing up and you had to like lean into this level of trust that, yeah. and then, you know, because you did and you didn't panic or like, oh my God, I haven't filled spots or anything. You just mm-hmm. trusted. And then, I mean, like I'm literally telling the story for you. So I'm just going <laughs> to hand it to you now. <laughs> but that's totally what happened. <laughs> You've nailed it. Um, yeah, I guess I, 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 I want to pull out any kind of tendrils of, of proving or, or pushing from anything that I'm doing like noticing where that bigness wants to creep back in to be relevant to be seen Mm. to be recognized Mm. to be to be important to to prove that my art is worthy like that's so ingrained because you know like let's not even go into the education system and how that's like literally how we're raised to be we're raised to be validated seen and recognized by being like look at my thing, look at my thing. Like, we totally will go into it at some stage. <laughs> it's, a, it's a worthy conversation. Yeah, so we like, have to do like four episodes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do that. So I think we're all a little bit like, like we've been taught to do that, to be that. And so anytime I'm like noticing myself go into like a, like into a little snag of, Oh, I can feel pressed because I can feel myself judging my art for not being worthy because more people aren't doing the thing. And so my, my favorite line is, and still I trust, and still I trust, and still I trust at every single turn. And so I'm like, what, what does trust look like on the outside? Like I can trust in here, but like, what does it look like out here? Mm. And so then I'm very, very discerning with particular words that I use because words cast spells words are like artistry and so I will remind people of their greatness always I will not say hey if you're battling with the price point like hey if you know if if time is a factor like I don't even want to speak into those things because the woman who is in my spaces understands that she is worthy and I'm going to speak to her like she is that Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly thinking about what would it look like to be speaking to the woman who raises her standards? Like, what does it look like for a woman with a new standard of self-leadership and self-responsibility and, you know, on-point discernment? Well, what would it look like to speak to her? Because the woman that's meant to be here will find that very attractive. Mm-hmm. Because it will be speaking into a part of her that she needs to step into and she knows it because she feels it. And so I'm like, I want to speak to those magnetic parts of people where there's a resonance there. And there's only resonance in places where we know we need to explore. There's no resonance when people aren't ready for it. So when I speak like that and I speak into the higher ideal or the higher standard of someone, only the people it's for will feel that. Mm -hmm. And so people who are like, yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not a match for this. They will not be interested. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we shift away from like needing to prove into trusting energy, Mm -hmm. trusting the cosmic 
trusting the quantum. And then how do you go about feeling into when, like, when is it time to pivot or do you just keep leaning into trust, right? Like for, for you personally, what's your level of, like, how do you see the contrast between those two? As in like, oh shit, this launch isn't working. I need to change. Yeah, like, yeah basically yeah. like, oh, like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. is, is it, it isn't working or yeah. actually I'm just in fear, keep leaning in and trust that it'll yeah. all work out. Or whatever happens is exactly as it's meant to be, right? Because if your yeah. idea that you need to sell 30 spots to something and you sell five, five can still mean success, you know, like that whole totally. thing in itself. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm not willing to serve five, why would I be willing to serve 30? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like really trusting the number of people, like whether one person shows up or whether 500 people show up, like serve. Mm. so there's that but I think the the, kind of the first part of this is like before I even get into a launch where I'm discerning whether it's like fear or I need to shift is that I don't create backwards and what I mean by that is I don't assess what people want from me and then make it because Mm -hmm. then I'm like I'm creating from this really um well, it's not from the truth, is it? Like, I'm not creating from the truth when I'm step when I'm creating backwards. Brit, I'd really love it if you could make X, Y, and Z. It, well, it's a curation then. Then it's a manufacture, and that's not always incorrect. But I personally don't love creating that way mm-hmm. because what that creates is then you're doing it, and there's a lot of doubt. Oh, do they want this or do they want that? Oh, I'm going to launch this way. Is that landing or is that not landing? I think it invites a lot of doubt and it invites a lot of insecurity. And it doesn't feel good to me. So like, unless it's born from like deep in here, but like, oh, I'm really loving having this conversation. Like, oh, this is mm. feeling really good. And I'll sit with that and I'll be exploring. It. I'm like, wow, I think I've got something here. When I'm creating from that place and I'm offering it out, I'm not wondering about how it's landing. Like I'm not. I am mm-hmm. communing with the field of my community every day. I'm sensitizing And like, you know, this, you can read energy, you feel it. I literally close my eyes. I picture myself like sovereignly create, like communing and connecting with my community. And I'm like, what is it that that's, that they need me to, to express through energy? Like, what are they feeling in here? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how can I speak into that from my own, like from my own perspective? Mm -hmm. And just that, like that tuning into them and being able to serve in that way. But it's always coming from within here. It's not because someone's asked me to speak on it. And you know, the fascinating thing, this is the first launch I've really done in like such a clean and sovereign way. I had not one person ask me a single question the entire launch. Mm. Like there was no, oh, Britt, can you help me work through the money stuff? Can you, like how much time will be required? Like, do you think this is for none of it? because when we have a sovereign relationship with the creativity itself with the idea itself we invite in a sovereign woman who can relate to it in a sovereign way and we end up with these like really clean energetics around the way that we create so I don't ever really get to a place where I'm like oh my god is this landing like should I change I don't really get to that place Mm -hmm. amazing yeah no and I can so see what you're saying with all that as well like just your own security in yourself and how it's expressing from you first. Like it's, 
yes, you're trusting the idea, but you're trusting yourself and you're like, okay, well, if this is how it wants to come out, then that's exactly as it's supposed to come out. And whatever result is of that is exactly the result that's needed. And then like, that's the process. It's trusting. It's not, okay, I need to fill my mentorship. It has 50 spaces. What's the best strategy to go about it? Like it's, it's backwards, but we've thought it was forwards. Like we thought that that was the way to go because, you know, five, 10 years ago, it kind of was, I guess, because, Mm. you know, and with this huge movement of self-inquiry and people doing this work on being more self-aware, it's, it's seeped and bled through business and it's beautiful to see. And there's these old paradigms of sales is sleazy or Mm. business equals greed or, you know, these old paradigms, which maybe were fair enough a while ago. Like maybe they were, but like, holy shit, what a revolution for entrepreneurial and especially women and mothers in this space are really like moving forward such a unique and beautiful soulful way of doing all of this. And I think that that's such a special, special part of it all. Hey. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many old paradigm things, I think, and we're not all going to have a big journey with them all. Mm. I, I don't know. And it's so funny. Someone asked me about sales, like, how do I feel about sales? And I was like, this is so fascinating, but I don't actually think I've ever thought about it. Mm. It's like, I think I've always just been like, am I doing my creation justice? Like, am I, am I, am I being the mouthpiece for it in a way that is coherent with the truth of it? Mm. I've never thought, oh my God, do people think I'm sleazy? Like, I I just never thought about it. Mm. I don't think it's my journey to have to go mm. on a whole thing with sales itself. I know that it's a lot of people. Um, I've had no guilt around making money. And I know that's a lot of women too, is that there's a lot of guilt around holding money when there's all these people in struggle. And I've never really felt that, but I've had my, like a whole big journey with lots of other shit. <laughs> you know, like really? there's been so many other things that have just, yeah. Do you know what? Like being in codependent relationships with mentors, um, allowing myself to be subservient to, to other teachers, like pedestaling, hierarchy. Um, mm. Those have been really big lessons for me. Um, like fear of failure, don't really have a relationship with it. I'm like, mm. look, I'm either going to fail or I'm not. May as well just have a go. It, it's never felt like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we all just have our own little flavor of what we're going to move through in business, which I think yeah. is the point. It's an evolutionary tool to, to rise us up. You don't need to go look for things. Business such, will offer them. Such a good point to be making as well, because like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I definitely have sometimes within myself, maybe less now, but definitely I've seen where I've done this in my life, but this um, borrowing of other people's um like what you were just saying about how some people's journey is to struggle with like sales and then move through that. And some people's it's the pedestaling or the comparison, right? Like everyone's got their thing, but like there are times where it's like, oh, well, they're struggling with comparison. Should I be struggling with comparison? Even if it's not your struggle. So it's like honoring your own uh, rhythm within business as well. Honoring Mm -hmm. the fact that actually that's not an issue for me and it's okay. And yeah, it's all good to just like own that. And for yes. because instead of like digging for these shadows all the time to have to work through within business and, and motherhood and all of it. Yeah. Like excavate things out there 
And I think Tracy Spencer put a post up about this or like a little slide on her Instagram and it was like, maybe block is that, I'm going to butcher this, I'm so sorry. But like, maybe the block is that you're looking for blocks. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Totally. You know, like stop trying to look for them. They're going to come up when they're meant to and then you'll just move through them and it will be fine. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and I see it so often and just literally within everything like and that's I guess that comes from the comparison piece itself though right like oh what what are they struggling with over there should I um should I have a little bit more struggle struggle? so I deserve like the good shit later like (laughs) um okay so what else what else did I stalk your website for ah yes haha (laughs) here we go I loved how you was talking about like part of your gift when you're working with people and I'm assuming for yourself as well is this ability to decode the mysticism of the I guess energetic and spiritual aspects of business Um, but I'm wondering first like what is your perspective on mysticism in relation to business firstly um, and when it comes to like your life and other people's lives and then second part how do you decode that and what does that look like Yeah. So the easiest way that I usually describe like the relationship between business and mysticism is that if mysticism wasn't a thing, if there was no such thing as energy, the exact same strategy would work for everyone, which it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You and I could do the exact same thing and it would work in different ways. So like, tell me that's not magic. So, (laughs) (laughs) so like seeing this, because I I was a person who did this, like, my mentor would be like, here's a strategy or here's what I'm doing. Not my current mentor, <laughs> past mentors. Um, and I would do the thing and I'm like, I'm doing the work. Like I'm doing it all. And they were like, well, you're obviously not because it's not working. And so that's where I came from. This really big, okay. Well, hold on. But do you mind I'm just doing... go, back, go back 30 seconds after the mentor bit, just cracking up a little bit. Okay, what did I say? Just the sentence that you were saying. It's okay. Um, You said not your mentor, (laughs) but like, you know, doing the strategy that you've been told. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, I'm doing all of this work and it is not working for me. So if it's not working for me, there's something bigger at play here. And so if I'm not the same as you, what is different about us? And how does that relay into the way that it shows up in my business? So like you're a hyper consistent person and I am not, but I'm not wrong for not being inconsistent. I'm just different. So then how do we start using all of these differences within us to start applying them to business, to have the results that we want and to serve in the way that we want and all of that kind of thing. So I was always like quite a a spiritually inclined person in that, you know, i I started really getting into like personal development when I was around 18 and, you know, started, I did a huge yoga practice for many years and then obviously got into business and work marketing and personal development and all the things just kind of carried on. And so I was very, very intrigued, intrigued by this. And I guess the thing that kept coming up for me was there's things that are happening that I can't see. So like, what is that? Mm. And it's energy right? There's energy. And again, the the really simplistic way that I would describe energy is when you meet someone, you get a feel for them. 
They haven't told you that they are an angry person or a happy person or this person or that person. You can feel it based on what you perceive through energy exchange. Mm. And so all of these things that we can't see are happening. And so mysticism is that which we can with our eyes, but is most definitely happening. So it's, it's energies, it's universal laws, it's the quantum realm, it's the interplay of energy fields, it's attractor fields, it's the way that we engage with things, it's the intent behind things. And you know how it feels, you know, you want to go socializing and the intent you bring is like, I really can't be fucked going <laughs> and you don't have a great time. <laughs> and then the intent you bring on another day is like, I really want to go, I can't wait to have a coffee with you and you have the best time ever. It's like all of these like really simple things can be explained through understanding energy and you know I, I said this I said this earlier but like we, we can't value that which we don't have a relationship with so the quantum or energy we can't value it and it can't play a role in our life so internet going weird yeah that's all good so is mine a little bit i can't okay yeah we'll try again okay <laughs> we're all good yeah yeah so yeah like we can't value that which we don't have a relationship with so if we don't value mysticism we can't have a relationship with it we need to build up a relationship with it and then it actually starts to engage with us so often the way that this looks to me is that have a theory or a concept or a philosophy and then I'll example like I'll, I'll use it as an example and then I'll walk it in my life and usually I'll experiment with it like when I do this this happens when I do that that happens so I start to have this really playful relationship with absolute infinite nature of the quantum realm and then how to warp through the reality using concepts from that place. So like as an example, like I am not gonna prove for a single second that you should be in, my, in, in this space with me. I am gonna bring the intent behind it and I'm going to speak to you like the woman that you are because I'm gonna play in the quantum realm of magnetism. And I'm just gonna watch this sell out. Mm. And Things like that, they kind of start to override. You need to be showing up X amount of times a day so that people know that you're relevant. People aren't going to sit up and take notice unless they see you doing this, this, and this. Shortcuts of, you know, how people operate. You need to build a sense of urgency. You need to do this with biopsychology. And you can literally trump card that with like, or you could play in the energetic realms. Mm -hmm. And I started doing this in my life. It was even things like I had a membership at one point just got this really big feeling of like I'm really resistant to like doing anything like I, I've kind of gone off the idea it doesn't feel right it's really contracting and I was like okay I've got all these people on a subscription what is the most high integrity way to completely cut this because I felt stagnant in other areas of my life and I was like mm -hmm. okay well if I wanted to free up stagnancy I need to cut that which is not on the energy that I want to move into so I thought great what are the things that don't fit on the new frequency well this membership it's contracting me so I went 
And after that, literally, I our dream home. <laughs> like, got them the perfect, um, a perfect amount of rent each week, perfect time frame. It was only a five-month lease because we wanted to move back to Australia and that's all we could really do. Um, the other owners were breaking their lease, so they were still paying $100 a week, so we got it, like, significantly discounted, literally, like, straight on the back of working with energy, which is to attune to what is not expanding you so that you can free yourself from the frequency that you were on so that you can rise to a new one so you can have a, a more beautiful experience of life mm-hmm. um so once we start walking that path enough of like that deep trust of like what our body is telling us and seeing the way the quantum will deliver new possibilities on the aligned yes or no limitless nature like what i earn is limitless what I experience is limitless every single thing is limitless we're not bound to the world of form we just need to know how to play it it's like a big game mm, absolutely i love i love all that because that's something that a lot of people maybe just don't value enough and i mean like there's also overvaluing the energetics right and like just sitting in ritual and doing nothing else so yes. you know there's always the there's always polarizing opposites along the totally. spectrum but um there a lot of yeah like what you said a lot of people are like well I did the thing why didn't it work and it doesn't necessarily mean it's like there's anything wrong with you but it's like that's where the self-inquiry comes in of, okay well am I doing this from me or is it from accumulation of things that aren't me that kind of look and sound pretty good you know like it's it's just this process of reconnecting to the heart and then also trusting fate and like look I'm still figuring out if there's free will (laughs) or if there's full fate and we have no control or if it's a complete mashup of both like who actually knows but at the end of the day like whatever helps you trust more and relaxes your nervous system in that trust. And so for me, like if something like people don't know that my first ever couples retreat that Tal and I ran together, like didn't even sell one freaking ticket. So we, um, we took down the ad, not the ad. What is it? Like the, like the event page. for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. And we tuned in and it was like, oh no, like this, this is still aligned. It's not the work that we're doing and it's not us. Like it's, and we just really sat with it. And it was like, I think it's just the timing, like trusting the timing of it. And so we moved it three months and sold out within a week. And it was like, oh, like there's, it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong. Like we, again, like we don't have to go for the shadow hunt necessarily. It's like just attuning back to, okay, there, there may well be a, somewhat of a timeline for your life and sometimes Mm. we can be a bit premature or we don't have patience to sit on our creations like I've got this one creative like the biggest thing I will probably ever make like it and in biggest I mean like it's going to stretch me the most and Mm. it also is really big to hold and all of the things Mm -hmm. and I got this whole full vision for it um years like three or four years ago like before I even became a mom but the message was you have to be a mom to do this so I had to wait and then I went to pregnancy I'm like well I don't have the fucking energy or space to do it now and then went to postpartum timing's not right like if I had tried to execute any of those times I wouldn't have been trusting the evolution of what 
is to come. Mm-hmm. And like, I still feel like it could be a couple of years away, to be honest. Like it's not an immediate thing. Um, yeah. But I still rendezvous and dance with the vision regularly because yeah. it feels good too. And I think that's the important thing to keep it alive is to continue breathing life in that it can morph and change as it needs to while you wait for the timing and the all the things to kind of align to, to offer it. And there's also lots of other things. Like sometimes you can offer something for 50 bucks that should really be priced at 500 so people don't see the value in it and you learn mm-hmm. a lesson about pricing. Yes. Sometimes you're not meant to get anyone because maybe there needs to be this little aspect of humility brought into the way that you offer things. Mm. Maybe you were manufacturing an idea out of need and it didn't really need to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you didn't stand behind your creation enough and really fucking get behind it and, and be the mouthpiece for it. And it really needed you to show up for it. But there's so many reasons. I think also, yeah, in our very spiritual kind of landscape that you and I often play in there's this distaste for for grit as well Mm. you know there's a distaste for the very human aspects of us of like efforting Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with efforting there's nothing wrong with working hard as long as Mm -hmm. you you see and you're aware of when effort turns Mm -hmm. to force or when grit turns to hustle and all the things it's like it's a very delicate harmonizing of all of the things and just making sure we're not validating why something happened but we're really looking for the truth of what happened um Mm -hmm. yeah I think there's so there's so much to it but yeah like I love playing in the energetic realms but like my favorite thing about mysticism is making it practical like Mm -hmm. I am a Capricorn moon I'm gonna make things practical as fuck (laughs) yeah but like like I don't want to be like, if I send X amount of emails, this amount of people will open them. This is how many people I convert. Like, that's not my vibe Mm. when it comes to practicality. It's like, how do I make these beautiful mystical fields digestible to you so that you understand your limitless nature? Like, how do we play in both Mm -hmm. for everything always? But yeah, Yeah. it's, um, it's a very interesting little, yeah, little exploration. I love it. And it's it's an important conversation to be having and a lot of people are looking for this sort of conversation and unless they're um in a container aka a mentorship or a course or something that's discussing it Mm. it's actually not totally available to be able to kind of start seeding this conversation and so I think this this for some people won't be new but for others it it could be game changing you know yeah um okay I think we can I we can do two more, right? Two more? Sure. Yeah, Is that sure. okay with you? Yeah, cool. Great. Sure. Um, so I love that on your website. <laughs> really like your website. <laughs> can you tell? Can you tell? Um, but I I just like was looking for like little nuggets that we could totally elaborate on because we haven't had mm. that many in-person conversations for me to be like, oh yeah, I loved it when we chatted about that. You know, like I was, I was. Yes trying to like see inside your soul a bit um but what I liked was you said there's a difference between this here I am energy versus mm-hmm. this is where I've been and how I got here energy maybe this could have even been on your NC page but um <laughs> like and I would love for you to like kind of delve into that because I see and I have done 
so many times before sharing, oh, well, I did X, Y, Z in order to get to where I am. Therefore, I deserve you to listen or buy or what, Mm -hmm. like whatever the intention with Mm. that is. But I do notice this real difference in energy of like, this is, here I am. This is what I'm offering versus not. And I would love for you to just kind of like, Yeah. (laughs) Take the mic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it's people feel the difference even just by saying it. Like, here's where I've been. Like, I am deserving of your recognition and your money and your, um, you know, like you being under my wing because I've been here, done that. It's like we're qualifying ourselves, which is the equivalent of proving ourselves. And usually this comes from a place of not fully seeing our own worth or wanting to translate our own worth. When you know your own worth, it comes through in the way that you express. Like, I don't doubt that I'm worthy of all the things that I want anymore. I just know that I am. And so there's this big knowing that I am enough as I am right now in this moment. And also there's a deep understanding that a lot of what I have been through like doesn't actually qualify me to speak on many of the things that I talk about. Like, I know that they're actually like, of course, it's all part of my journey. It's all led me here to now. And I also don't have to keep going back over the things to make me worthy of offering you a wisdom in this moment. Mm-hmm. And does it matter if I've efforted for the wisdom or whether I've received the wisdom through observation, through finding something natural? So as an example, I've recently done a a workshop on the attractive field. It's essentially like this beautiful little middle ground between us and our communities. And I used social media as the kind of training ground or the playing field for that. And I said to my mentor, like, I feel kind of weird talking about it because I've never really had a horrid relationship with social media. I've always had a quite a sovereign relationship with social media. Can I really be the one that walks people down this path? And she said, of course you can, because you're walking it. Mm. And I was like, and that's enough. Absolutely. There's an an innocence (laughs) in that too, right? Like, yeah. Like I remember thinking, and I mean, this is like slight tangent, but not really. Um, Before I became a mother, I wanted to be a doula. And Mm -hmm. I thought I can't be a doula if I've never experienced birth. And though to some extents, I still believe that in some ways, there was also someone said to me like, no, you've not experienced birth. So you would make an amazing doula because you don't have any prejudices behind it. Like there's not been this, there's no extra stuff in order for you to show up as a clear channel. You're just going to show up in your innocence. And that's what, what you just shared then about this journey of social media you just showed Mm. up in your innocence and have this beautiful relationship and that's your transmission in the now. And that's the difference between having to walk this uh, more treacherous path and come to your resolution. (laughs) Mm. You know, there's different types of heroes journeys, I guess. And it doesn't make any right or wrong, but it's like, it's a different energetic, you know? Yeah. And I think it's part of your evolution as a creator too. Like when you're just cutting your teeth in your beginning and that there is maybe in these like building phases of your business and your creativity, a desire to explain who you are because no one knows you yet. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there, there is a little bit of qualifying that you might feel is aligned and necessary. And of course, you know, of course, 
but there's a shift that happens I think along with creative and personal maturation where we stop wanting to prove who we've been and we want to start coming from wholeness and we want to sell into the wholeness in another like we don't want to poke the lack in someone else and Another thing that happens, and this is like non-sovereign leadership dynamics, is by pointing out the gap between where our audience is and where we can take them. Like I'm here and the reason I can take you from here to here is because I've walked it. And we're like kind of pointing at the gap between us as a way to sell. And that's like mm-hmm. really not whole. It's not whole selling and it's not integral selling it's like i'm going to poke at the parts of you that aren't whole so that you want to rise to meet my wholeness and then there's no and reference for someone's uniqueness of their journey either right because there's what, no reference there's, again like more, many roads to Rome. like <laughs> yeah like your journey won't be theirs regardless so to sell someone totally. into your own journey is like um irresponsible in ways as well right yeah yeah and it's just like cleaning up that energy around like when is the time to leave behind who I've been? And, you know, and also like, yeah, as you say, like reverence for who we've been without shitting on who we've been mm-hmm. and what we've done without being like, oh my God, I used to do that all the time. Like how embarrassing. It's like, if you're still talking like that, there's unhealed things there and you still hold shame around that. And you're not going to be able to come into a place of whole selling and whole leadership and integrity without clearing up that stuff from the past. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you start healing a lot of that and yeah, there is this maturation that's happening with your creativity. Um, you move into a place of like, I actually just really want to be in communion with the wholeness of other people so that we don't have to like quantum leap and, you know, excavate. We, we just want to refine and we want a bit more richness from our lives. And we want it, we, our lives, we want our lives to become more available to us, like the fullness of our lives become more available. So I think that like there's merit in both and there is a need for both at times. And also like constantly going back and talking about your treachery so that someone else sees where you are right now as being deserved. Clean that up, mm. like completely clean that up. Like, do I have to go back in time and tell people how I've been through X, Y, Z for them to appreciate where I am without like tall poppy syndrome and like trying to cut me down. Mm-hmm. No, that's like not a reflection of us. And our nervous systems will become more robust through just literally living through that and being like, and here I am anyway. Totally. And something that I guess I, I want to bring up, I don't know if it's totally, it feels important to bring up is like this Go idea on. that um, everyone wants to avoid the highlight reel. So yeah. There's this overdoing or not necessarily overdoing, but sometimes there's an overdoing of this transparency of like, I have to share my journey. Otherwise I'm not being honest or I'm not being true when people see me in my, my highlights Mm -hmm. of my life. And I'm just wanting to kind of explore that a little bit with you because though I can see the point in that and I can understand that sharing I guess mm. there's also a level of discernment. Like, do you have to share everything or just the like what you're saying before, the relative bits? And or like, is like all of that still this aspect of proving? And mm. can you actually just get okay with maybe the highlight reel? And when there's time and places to share more detail, mm. 
like for example I feel like this conversation or say if you're in a private you know I don't know like I'm I guess I don't have a stance on this necessarily but I would love to just explore it yeah so something that I explored with my mentor was around assuming the humanity in other people meaning we are all human beings in the world of form. We all feel it all. We all feel the full spectrum of everything. Just assume that to be true. Mm. Stop expecting to see it on social media. Just assume it to be true. Yes. So I have like such a small tolerance for the performative vulnerability that is offered like just endlessly on social media. Um, and when I really look at this and I look at, you know, this is a lot of what I discussed in the attractive field workshop around like what goes out into the attractive field, this place of communion between you and your community is that which strengthens the story of who you are, what you do and what you value. And all of those things that you value, they might, it might be humor. You might mm. like you sharing memes might like actually paint a picture of like the <laughs> hilariously dark humor that you have, um, you know, your hilarious, like kind of jokey quips about aliens wanting to beam you up might be like part of the quirkiness of you. And of mm. course it enriches and strengthens the story of who, who you are. Of course there's a time and a place for that. And also when I'm in my pain, I'm not going to offer that that's mine. And so that does not mean I'm highlight reeling. That means I'm discerning. I feel like when we understand that everyone is a human and we all feel it all and we stop expecting to see it all out here in the attractive field, we start to have a reverence for other people and knowing that they have hard days of motherhood. They have sleepless nights. They have blank patches of creativity. They've had money stress. Mm -hmm. You know, when we start assuming that to be true and I like look into the eyes of the people that I see on social media and I see you feel it all. I remind myself again, you feel it all. You feel everything that I feel. I do not need to see that. I am not entitled to see that. And I do not expect to see that. Mm -hmm. And I do not at all ever get on my social media and think, well, fuck, this is just the highlight reel. Totally. I really relate to that as well. Like that's just not even ever been a thing for me. Like I've never looked at someone's profile and be like, oh, you're just showing the highlight, you know, like I feel like that could almost be a projection. (laughs) Oh, exactly. Right. And so what if they are like, yeah, even if someone's showing the highlight best, it's humanizing people again. And it's, um, it's a really, like, that's what helps with comparison as well. Right. Because you only compare if you, if you're thinking that there's a difference in your level of humanness, which there never fucking is. So yeah. this um, is what I call self-soothing. When people go <laughs> online and they look, they look for the pain in another person because it makes them feel less alone. They're soothing themselves. Stop expecting to find your soothing in someone else. Like just stop. Mm-hmm. It, it's like when people are like, oh, I just can't stop scrolling. I'm like, you're looking to see yourself in another so that you don't feel alone in your pain. Mm. Stop trying to work your shit out on your community and like go in and do that in the privacy of your home, your journal, your heart, your relationship, like off socials. It's not a place to do that. Mm. And when you bring your pain to socials and you want it to be soothed on there, like you're really just going to open yourself up to feeling comparison, imposter syndrome, like all of those things will will bear themselves to you and you will start saying things like, ah, oh, social media, it's such a highlight reel. Oh, it feels so draining to be here. 
Totally. I'm like, do you know how alive I feel when I'm on social media? Like I find it so easy and natural because I don't come in with unhealthy projections about what I'm entitled to or what Mm -hmm. I expect to see from other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also really aware of like what needs to go out into the attractive field of my own community so that they understand strongly who I am, what I believe in, the work that I do and the way that I offer myself to my work. And as long as they understand that, I'm pretty sweet to go and live my life and not even think about it. Totally. It's, yeah, this, like when we're like sitting at the feet of the people we admire on social media or the people that make us feel less alone on social media because they're like showing it all. They're showing the ups and downs of business. They're showing the ups and downs of motherhood, like keeping it real, like hashtag truth. Like it's also like, are you exploiting your pain? You know, there's like, there's so much there. And I think there's absolutely a time and a place to be like, I'm really hurting. And it Mm -hmm. is not in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like it's not in the moment. Like, please be with your emotions. Like, please be with your pain. And like, don't come here to work it out on your community and, and with them. And yeah, I just, I really feel like we've lost the art of privacy and discernment. And, and you know, I, I always say to people, I'm like, don't see this as like you're curating your feed. See this as like a selectively discerned collection of art that you're putting out. Mm. And like, this is, this is an art exhibition. Your attractive field is an art exhibition, especially if you're a businesswoman on social media, treat it like art. And art and, can still be beautiful or painful or like reflective of your journey but you don't put every single painting you've ever seen ever done in your life in the exhibition right and totally there are some people slash some artists whose journey is to share that pain exactly but like you'll know if that's your journey right like it'll be like deep in your heart like this is my expression in the world is to share in this way but that's very different to like, totally. oh, well, they said I should be more vulnerable. So here we go. hundred percent. And you'll also know if it strengthens the story of your work. Mm. Like if your work is shadow work and like inner child stuff and like relationship dynamic stuff and, you know, sexual, you know, darkness, like whatever the thing is that you're like, if that's your thing in the world, if you being vulnerable and sharing pain strengthens the story of that work then of course there's a rightful place for it in your attractive field but like for me for example like I'm talking about richness I'm talking about energetics I'm talking about like colliding mysticism and self-inquiry there is no place for me in my attractive field to be sharing deeply about like my own private inner workings and my pain and also it's a privilege to access that and I'm not going to offer that up to everyone in a free-for-all setting. Like I will offer my beautiful women in my mastermind mm-hmm. way more of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to offer my one-on-one clients even more of my heart mm-hmm. because there is a, there is more containment. Yes. And, that's and, and safety required. for you too, right? Like Genuine this safety. idea that, um, you know, this expectation that I can put anything out onto the internet and like, it's a weird one. Cause it's like on, let's say social media, Instagram, part of me does expect that I can put what I want out there. Cause it's my social media and people are choosing to yep. opt in by following me. So I do believe that, mm-hmm. but then it's naive to think that 
people aren't just going to still play by their own rules too. And so there is this like two-way street of safety to be created. And like, if say you're working closely one-on-one with someone and you feel safe, that's when you open and that's okay. And you don't have to open um, everywhere all the time. You know? No. And it's almost like, you know, when we really check ourselves and we sink into like, really, what is the story behind that entitlement or that expectation that people need to be showing more of the, of the raw stuff? Really, what are you saying? You're saying, I don't want to feel alone in my own pain. Or I just want to know that you're human. Do you feel this too? And so sometimes there can be a really beautiful intent there. But the way that you quell all of those questions is by assuming that everyone feels it all. Mm-hmm. without needing to see it and you know to know that like with with my mentor like I I work with her and so I get access to more of her than is available on her social media and like that is such a fucking privilege mm. that and that's why you you do these things is to to build a deeper relationship with someone that you really respect and admire mm-hmm. and there's a proximity and a containment that's required to build a a deeper relationship and for me to expect to get all of that out here on socials I just feel like that's entitlement totally yeah I hear that yeah and I think it's an it's an important conversation to be having so I'm glad that you um brought that up as well um okay I've got time I can hear Rafi out there being like so I can hear my children too (laughs) I know our time is ticking okay last question and we're just kind of circling back to motherhood here so yeah. How do you go about nourishing creative living or creativity within your children? <laughs> well, I just had literally one line come off and I was like, get out of the way as much as humanly possible. Um, literally, that is how I nourish it. Like, I think they're inherently creative beings. They're naturally creative. Look at the way they dress in the morning. <laughs> like, it is just their little personalities, like coming out in the clothes they wear, like, just indulging in their desire for it because it's natural. It's their natural state of being at this age. Like I've got twin, almost five-year-olds and a little six-month-old, but their natural state of being is exploration, curiosity, and creativity. And the more I put myself in the way of it, the less it happens. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny. Like just in the last week or two, <laughs> we got this letter saying, um, like Auskick is starting. And I was like, yes, Auskick, like how fun. They'll get to get muddy and kick a ball. It's going to be the best. I was like, girls, how do you feel about doing Auskick? Like, this is what it is. And they were like, no. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. and I was like, how do you feel about dancing? Like, I haven't really seen myself as a dancer. I was like, how do you feel about dancing? They're like, oh my God, yes, do we get a tutu? And they were so excited. And uh-huh. even moments like that, where it's like, I really, have to take a back seat in what I think is right for them and literally just let their creative expression just be whatever it is, whether that is dancing, what they, how they want to, like we always do these things with their toast. Like I'll put all of these sides on the, on the side of their plate and I'll do a piece of toast and we'll put peanut butter on them and they like make faces with berries and like all kinds of things like that. And it's just watching the way that they both just explore just in really simple everyday moments because it's, it is their natural state of being, like mm. how they do their toast, how they dress, the activities that they choose to do. Like when it starts raining, my instant thought is quick, close the windows so we don't get wet. Their thought is, oh my God, can I go and jump in that? Mm-hmm. And it's, 
it's so natural. So literally how I nourish their creativity is like, get out of the way. It's so mm-hmm. simple, but that's. And that's indulge it, like get into yeah. it with them as well, right? Like literally yes. jump in the rain with them, mama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Do all the dance things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're officially a dance mom now. I officially like am. Not. Like, keep making me do like dance mom hair. I'm like, oh God, girls. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm this girl. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, well, Britt, thank you so much. I loved chatting. Um, and we got a baby three, baby free chat. I feel like we've just oh like God. built this little foundation now and everything else just gets added on top. It's great. <laughs> so good who am I who are we yeah (laughs) thank you so much and I so appreciate your time I know you know getting an hour and a half or so away from bubbies and stuff and it's a big deal so I do appreciate that a lot and um I'm sure we'll record again soon yes we will (laughs) okay Hello again, guys. Just wanted to pop by and give you some details as to how to get in contact with Brittany if you really enjoyed this episode. So her Instagram handle is I am Brittany Eastman. Brittany spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Eastman spelled E-A-S-T-M-A-N. And that will be also in the show notes below. Her website is BrittanyEastman.com. And I highly recommend following her along and soaking up some more of her content um, because she is an amazing woman. And if you feel called, I would love to hear some feedback on this episode. You can share on the podcast app that you're using now or you're welcome to come over to my Instagram and share on any of the promotional material of the podcast so that others can see your takeaways and hopefully come and listen for themselves. So thank you guys so much and I'll see you in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,